very warm welcome. You are listening to Radio Maria, and this is our Hour of Catechesis. And tonight, I have the privilege of having with us Father Vlad. Hello, Father Vlad. Good afternoon, everybody. It's so lovely to have you with us again. Am I right in saying that this is the fourth time? It's the fourth, uh, that's yes. That's right. So we've had you for a month, and um, you've spoken to us about your philosophy of life, which you summarize with the words, uh, with the, the acronym PIES, P-I-E-S. And um, for the last few weeks, you've been speaking to us about faith. Where are you broadcasting from, Father Vlad? From Chiswick in West London, because I'm caring for a 90-year-old lady with dementia. Quite nice long story, but... Uh... And um, tell us just a few things about yourself. I don't want to derail your talk at all, but for if, if okay. people have just um, are hearing you for the first time, maybe just one or two things about who you are. Yep. I call myself Father Vlad. I'm actually Professor Monsignor Vladimir Veltzelin. And the excuse for a name like that is that I was born in Prague in 1939 and spent the war under Nazi occupation and came over to England in 1946. My father was a diplomat. He resigned in 48 when the communists took power and we became refugees and stayed in England ever since. Uh, I went to Rome in 65 and got ordained in 69. So I've been a priest for quite a few years, and I'm on this planet, uh, you know, sort of 83, getting on for 84 years. Um, mm. And these talks are really communicating what I have learned or how I've, yeah, what I've learned to try to pass on to people that might help them. Perhaps to disagree, but at least to think. And they're connected uh, to a book that you've written, aren't they? Yeah, I've wrote a, a book called Life Squared which is a handbook for life in an accelerating world. And then I've uh, written a bit of my memoirs. And then I'm just working on a couple of booklets, one called An Art of Aging Gracefully, mm. because people say I don't look my age. And I explain why I think that is the fact and giving some tips of that might help other people. Uh, and then there's the thing I've also written, which is generally better together. Uh, which summarizes, again, my thinking that uniting two perhaps opposites is a good thing. In a car, it's good to have an accelerator and a brake, obviously. Um, so it's one of the reasons I do this, apart from passing information on to other people, is to keep my mind as active as possible, because I've seen over the years too many people get dementia, and it's not a very pleasant thing to happen. So I'm hoping that uh, by speaking with you and forcing myself to write the script every week uh, will keep my brain active perhaps longer than otherwise. As a priest, as a priest, Father Vlad, do you find that um, that principle of generally better together something that you have to um, put into practice in a more intentional way than other people who are perhaps married? Yeah, but they have to also. I mean, generally, it's better together. You may be fed up with yourselves, but if you can stay together, it's better for the children, certainly. Yes. But as I say, it's, you know, marriage is for life, but not for the impossible. So that's why I say generally, sometimes it's impossible. 
if there's violence involved or uh, abuse of one sort or another. But it's generally better together, as we've discovered with ecumenism. It's much better to work together rather than against each other, mm-hmm. as we did in the 19th century in Africa. You know, let's work together to help what needs to be done, helping each other rather than, you know, working against each other. Well, I'd love to um, shoot the breeze with you and ask all kinds of questions. But um, you did come not to speak to me, but to speak to our listeners. And you have a few things that you'd like to say. So I'm going to give the floor, the proverbial floor over to you and allow you you to continue. Thank you. I hope not yet get get floored. But yes, the theme today is faith in God. As we've said before, faith isn't a verb. You can't faith anything. The verb is believing. Like, I believe you because I trust you. I believe you're human. I believe in the perception, as we saw a couple of weeks ago. I believe in values, which goes a step further. I believe in telling the truth, exercise, and so on. And to say I believe in God goes further. To say I believe in is a statement of commitment. It is a to be, it's to live in God, be, live in God, to be and live in God. And that's the key thing. To say I believe in God doesn't say I, I, there is a God out there. That's irrelevant to me, as it were. But I say I believe in God, I commit myself to God, and I've done that ever since the age of 15, as I think I'll explain later on. As is my custom, I will share my believing in across the pies. I'll start by saying three things that possibly initially might shock some people, might shock you into listening. First is God is nothing. God is no thing. God is not a concept. Secondly, God does not exist. God is. And God is not omnipotent. He can't do everything. Listen on and you'll explain I'll understand why I'm saying these things. It may seem pedantic, if not heretical, to state that God does not exist. Nevertheless, it happens to be philosophically true. Spotting the sharp difference between being and existing sheds light on the reality of God. The verb to exist comes from the Latin existere, to come into being, ex, out of, something. And God doesn't come out of anything. We do. We exist because we are created. God is. And that's completely different, as we'll see a bit further. God does not exist. God has not surfaced from some previous reality. God simply is, timeless though also in time. Creation, God as a creator, is here because God decided to use an anthropomorphism to create with that big bang some 13.7 billion years ago and keep it existing until even now. God is creator, not a procreator, recycling existing stuff. Everything created exists. It has come into being from nothing. No wonder we have crisis of identity and worth until we accept who put us here and why. God isn't omnipotent, almighty, in the sense that many people think. The scripture tells us that God is indeed almighty. Genesis, Job, Matthew, Luke. The word almighty and its Latin original form omnipotent 
are words that have caused a massive amount of misunderstanding. Never forget, many words are dynamic rather than static. Their meaning evolves and even drastically changes. Think guy, gay, think wicked, think even a nice. Nice one to express approval. Nice to meet you, a polite formula used after being introduced to someone. Nice work if you can get it, informal expression of envy. Nice distinction, a fine difference. In Middle Chaucerian English, nice meant stupid. From Old French, from the Latin, necius, ignorant. From Nishire, not to know. A subtle insult in the 22nd century among the conoscenti is, he is a very nice man, as Chaucer would put it, which means he's a complete idiot. But you don't insult the person because he doesn't understand what you're saying, unless you understand the language. So omnipotent means that everything that is has been created by God. There's nobody else creating. During their Babylonian exile, which according to the prophet Jeremiah lasted 70 years, the chosen people faced the polytheism of their captors, a temptation. Hence the first chapters of Genesis. The one God has created everything. Everything is good. Humanity is very good. We are pilgrims traveling through space down to eternity, wherein God dwells. God is not our projection. He was there creating well before we were around. So people say, I don't think there is a God. Well, it's a mistake. It's like saying, I don't think there's gravity. Well, I don't think I'm going to die. I knew one chap who was convinced I'm not going to die because I don't believe in death until I buried him. I believe God was God before becoming creator. I will ascertain this if it is true once I see the divine presence face to face in not many years to come. I am 84. We have discovered human burials some 50,000 years old, evidence of belief in some form of life after death. Arguments against the reality of a benign, loving creator are for some carnivorous animals. And a number of women who says, how can God be good if there are animals eating other animals? God is much more, reality is much more, space-time is much more than we can understand. However, accepting, I cannot answer these objections realistically, I cannot deny the reality of God. Everything my life has taught me has taught me that God is a reality. Perhaps while you think of these things and even ask yourself a question or formulate a question, how about a little bit of music?
If you've just started listening to us, this is Radio Maria, and it is our hour of catechesis. Father Vlad has been speaking to us about faith in God, and the music you were just hearing was Phil Keggy playing A Place of Springs from his album Beyond Nature. And um, we go back to Father Vlad to continue his talk. Thank you very much. Lovely music. Thanks to Jesus Christ, we know that internally God is a community, a trinity. God, the Father, Creator, God the Son, Brother, my best friend, Holy Spirit, Motivator, Mother. The Holy Spirit has recently been given a greater prominence. When I was young, the only Eucharistic prayer we used was Eucharistic Prayer 1, where the Holy Spirit gets absolutely no mention as doing anything. In Eucharistic Prayer 4, the Holy Spirit is sent, Jesus Christ is made incarnate by the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit graciously sanctifies these offerings. In Eucharistic Prayer 3, filled with the Holy Spirit by power and working of the Holy Spirit. In Eucharistic Prayer 2, the Holy Spirit is sent. Perhaps it's because the Holy Spirit was seen as feminine, because a Jewish word for spirit, ruach, is feminine, and therefore was being seen as suspicious by some. But think of the Trinity. Ask yourself, what comes first, a father or a son, a parent or a child? Which hand clapped the first? Exactly. Neither. Both. Parent gives childhood the instant a child gives parenthood. It's a mutual gift. And that's the secret of the Trinity. A mutual gift. God lives by giving. The Father gives sonship. The sonship gives fatherhood. And the I and the you become a we, the Holy Spirit, the community. I, you, we, a family. The pronoun we tend to use about God is he, because God is Father, but he's also Son and he's also Holy Spirit. So we should really invent a new word that encapsulates the Trinity. Can't say them because it doesn't sound very nice. But perhaps somebody one day will invent a new word which expresses more adequately, the mystery beyond the reach of words. It's good to worship God liturgically, but I think even more importantly, to help God make this world a better place. Looking after the S-O-N, the Son, myself, others and nature. We are, I believe, invited to be his arms and hands. In my office, I have attached a bookcase, a wooden statuette, the body and legs of Jesus. The arms must have come adrift ages ago. The wood is old. I have it there to remind me of my purpose here on earth, to work for God. And that makes life great. It's one of the reasons I don't look so old. The rule of St. Benedict begins with Ausculta, listen to the word. For a start in and through Lectio Divina, which consists of five steps. Select the scripture passage upon which to reflect. Read it carefully, 
reread it, think about it, and eventually steal yourself and rest in the loving embrace of your maker. So as well as reading the Bible, I try to read my neighborhood. Sensitive God's presence in myself, others, and nature urges me to help God. That something like the complicated structure of a human eye evolved without any design or directed evolution beggars belief. I spent four years at Imperial College. So as a scientist, I cannot accept when I look at something like the eye, the ear, the human brain, I cannot accept that evolved without an incredibly intelligent designer from this mucky mess that the world existed when it first started to cool. You know the cause by the effects. The cause is God. I admire God because I admire the magnificence of the design of the human being and include animals as well. How complicated the human brain is. And here you are listening to me. Here I am talking to you. Thank God for God. What a genius. I can't wait to be dead and see that intelligence face to face. So how intelligent people can reject the reality of God shows that there can be, as we saw when discussing perception, all sorts of problems to perception, prejudice, fear. I don't want to see it. I don't want to feel the lump in case there's a lump. So I'll pretend it's not there. It might go away until the cancer spreads. Our mind is far more mysterious than our brain with its 86 billion neurons structured to enable me to think and write imagine, dream and remember, intuitively sense what is there, even before I can even say what I think or I'm doing. It turns out I'm in fine company. Albert Einstein, he wasn't exactly thick, wrote, my religion consists of a humble admiration of the illimitable superior spirit, which reveals himself in the slighter details we are able to perceive with our frail and feeble mind. Not bad, Einstein. My fail, frail and feeble mind. What is ours? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. If you see a footprint, you realize there must have been somebody walking to produce the footprint. If you see a watch, there must have been somebody who worked and designed that watch. If you have the time and the care and the interest to think about biology and how a tiny sperm fertilizing a tiny ovum can produce human life, you think, God is a genius. How on earth could that have started by pure chance? Has electricity bubbled or lightning struck the murky muck that we call the beginning of the, the world? Faith evolves. We see as we are. The police know very well that if there's an accident and they ask everybody who saw that accident, each of their stories will be different. If all the stories are the same, they've been bribed into saying the same story because we see the same reality 
from our own perspective, with our own bias, with our own education. We see as we are, we imagine as we are. Living in villages, people had their own God protecting where they lived, hence polytheism. Gradually, as towns developed, henotheism arrived. Our God is better than your God, like in Deuteronomy 3, 24. O Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Psalm 86, 8 states that there is no one like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. Once the chosen people experienced an empire, seemingly without frontiers, they arrived at monotheism. God was like the emperor. In Isaiah 46, 9, we read, Remember the former things long past? For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me. I produced a little diagram which I call Vlad's Theocentric Wheel to explain how eternity is now. By my book, you'll be able to see it. We need to die to experience God fully. Death is birth into divine eternity. As after my first stage of life, three stages, womb, then breathing where we are now, and after death with God. Eternal life is a fact, not a mere wish. Positive, if you have become a kapagse, capable of life with God. Negative, if we are unable to live by love, and thus in self-generated, solitary, eternal confinement. Selfishness has taught me that it's like drinking salt water. Serving others is like fine wine. Ubuntu, it's good for those I serve and very good for me. That's what God came to do in Jesus Christ. Remember the poem? No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less, as well as if in a promontory were, as well as any manner of my friend, or of thine own were, any man's death diminishes me, because I am involved in mankind, and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee, as John Donne, 1572 to 1631. We need others to become our fuller self. As servus servorum dei, servant to the servants of God, I help generate unity. What you do to the least of mine, you do unto me. To spot God in the events around you, that's a wonderful thing if you manage. You, life becomes so much richer. It takes on another dimension. Commitment to God implies commitment to the way of God life has taught us through Jesus Christ and fine-tuned by the Church, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. If I stay committed to God, I cannot just survive in our society, riddled with hedonism, materialism, consumerism, and sexual freedom for all. I have to do my best to help people thrive in whatever their culture throws at them. Hence these four o'clock meetings on a Friday. Living committed to God is enlightened self-interest. It's good for me, it's good for society, 
It's good for everybody. You see, I didn't seek out God. As I mentioned last week, God found me. One day on holiday in Eriske, out of Hebrides, a little island, August 1954, I decided to climb the little hill there, the highest point on Eriske, passing on my way the skull and horns of a dead sheep. At the top, I sat down, looked west across the Atlantic Ocean. Suddenly, something utterly unexpected happened. The only way I can put it, I fell in love with infinity. It was my Pentecost experience. I experienced the divine presence throughout my body and mind. I never asked for it. I never expected it. However, that moment, no idea how long it was before I climbed down the bedding scathing peak of just 185 meters, has stayed undiminished and fresh, glowing solid still within my heart. Gradually, as the years went by, I realized that that infinity was and is the one we tend to call God. That experience altered my life 180 degrees. Instead of trying to be naughty so as to be accepted as a part of the gang, I started to study hard, to strive and be good, and going to mass every day before school. I ended up as head boy, by the way, in Clapham College. Altruism, like a reciprocating engine, realizes the joy that the more you give across the pies, the more you receive, at least in your emotions and spirit. Now, how about a little break while I can think about those things? Thank you, Father Vlad. We're now going to go to some music from William Harris. This is Bring Us, O Lord God.
if you've just started listening in, we have been hearing Father Vlad speak about faith in God. Over to you again, Father Vlad. Thank you. In St. John's first letter, we're told that God is love. Now remember, love is both a noun, God is my love, and a verb, God loves me. I ought, as a duty, love God. I owe God everything. To be fulfilled, I know I should and have to love God. I'm greedy, I want to enjoy life to the full, and Jesus Christ offers me that. And the price is just simply loving God in practice, not just as emotion, but putting that into action. Words, actions speak word than, better than words. As the elements within a molecule of water are always hydrogen and oxygen, no matter what temperature or texture that water may be, from superheated steam to snow and ice, fog, sweat and tears, so love's spiritual elements are always two, appreciation and respect. To love somebody, to love something you appreciate, you value, it has a price, and yet you have to respect. You mustn't destroy it. You have to let it be who or what it is. Love, in all its forms, if it is real love, is underpinned by those two elements, appreciation and respect. The danger in a long-lasting relationship of love is familiarity, which can breed, if not contempt, a loss of respect, as evidenced by so many marriages that fall apart. Mind you, people do change not in who they are, but how they are. Optimists become pessimists, energetic become lethargic. With time, occasionally dementia damages ability to think and communicate. God, life in eternity, is there without change, remaining eternally the same, even though revelation of God has indeed evolved. As in science, revelation of facts and ethics progresses. There are arrested developments of dogma. The Samaritans stopped short of having prophets. The Jews stopped short of accepting Jesus Christ. The Nestorians stopped short at the Council of Ephesus. The Monophysites, who believe that Jesus Christ's single nature remains always divine and is not really human. The Eastern Orthodox departed at the Council of Trent. The decree on marriage, as worded, was offensive to the Eastern Rite Christians, who regarded marriage as a dissolvable by divorce. Their thinking went along the lines, in the sacrament of marriage, the bond is the Holy Spirit, who is unbreakable. Thus, if a marriage falls apart, its bond could not have been the Holy Spirit, and thus it was null and void, not a sacrament. Thus, okay to remarry. I remember when I visited Russia in 1990, witnessing second weddings on Wednesdays, not on Saturdays as first weddings. Then there was the question whether or not it was acceptable to use unleavened bread for the sacrament of communion. The West supported the practice, while the East did not. Old Catholics departed the Vatican I. They couldn't accept papal infallibility on questions of faith and morals. The best love, divine love, is the kind that awakens the soul, that makes us reach for more, that plants the fire in our hearts and brings peace to our minds. We just need to remember that, thanks to God's love, 
we are in Christ, a fact mentioned 164 times in the Pauline letters. To be in Christ is to be in communion with the Father and the Holy Spirit, is to be committed in God. Love generates a single spirit, the we, the us. Love is both self-directed and other-directed. Father Vlad, we have a caller on the line. Excellent. This is um, Tony, a friend of yours from Canada. Ah, brilliant. Tony. Good, good morning, Father Vlad. Hello, Tony. I hear you've got quite a bit of snow there. We have a lot of snow here. <laughs> We've definitely been shoveling. And I will apologize for a little bit of background noise here. But um, Father Vlad, thank you so much for all of this amazing wisdom and guidance and love that you're sharing. Um, this morning, you were talking about the language of God. And I can only imagine that as a priest and as a caregiver, um, you must have encountered many times when one of your fellow Christians wasn't able to see that cancer that you talked about. And yeah. if you are that priest, that caregiver, and, and they're not seeing that cancer, what does God want of us? Well, God respects our freedom. That's the great thing. See, God can't force, he can't make a four-sided triangle, and he can't force a human being to love him or love her. Love, because to love is a free giving of self. And all one can try to do Wait a person that it's better to love God if you can and give them examples of how it is possible. And maybe through scripture, maybe through examples of what the saints have done. But all I can do is to do all I can. I can't do everything. I mean, same as Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. he, preached, he preached wonderful sermons. He did wonderful miracles. He helped so many people. But if you were a stubborn, self-centered, unspiritual person, you wouldn't accept him. And so God does suffer. I mean, that's, um, and he loves us enough to be prepared to create us in a way that will make him suffer because so many people turn their backs on God. And some people come back again. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have so many, you know, teenagers, they, they, with God until sex comes into their lives and then God disappears for a while. And then when they remarry and find out they have children, suddenly they realize God is a good thing. Let's get back into God. I need God to help me <laughs> deal, with, deal with my children. So you never know. <laughs> yeah, so. it's such a tricky one because you know that, I mean, God only wants us to be, you know, taking care of our own, you know, but when you are in the presence of someone that you're caring for, and um, then there's a responsibility. And it's so tricky to know not to be that controlling person, not to, you know, to, to let God's will be there, but but how can I be an instrument in his will? And I guess what you're saying is love. Love, and love means practical. So, you know, if somebody's ill, you get the best medicine you can that's available for you to see if you can cure that person. You don't just sit there sort of, mm -hmm. God will, you know, God will save us. You have to, how can I do? What's the best thing I can do? Whether it's, you know, an op operation or whether it's psychology, psychiatry, whatever it is, you do your best. Yeah. But ultimately, each person's life is under their own control. 
And one of the hardest things is when you love somebody and they're making a mess of their life and you can't stop them. You know, somebody's got got drugs or gambling or whatever it is that uh, is destroying their life. Uh, You do your best. My thing is I do my best and leave the rest to God. That's all we can do. Um, Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much. That's just, you know, beautiful advice. Um, Our family is just loving your show, as are some friends here. So um, we look forward to Friday hugely. Give my best wishes to everybody there. It was fantastic being with you in the summer. We certainly will. Thank you so much. Thank you for calling in, Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Yes, it's it's morning for her. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, yes, it's I mean, remarkable that we're connected to people all over the world in that way, isn't it? I know, just isn't it fantastic? Yeah. Without spending a fortune. I mean, this is the, you know, the greatest thing. Yeah. But, yeah. Do you, would you like to take a music break? Love, or are you but, happy to keep going? Yeah, 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 sure. Uh, Was that yes to a music break or yes to keep going? Okay, I'll keep going because I've got a number of things Wonderful. to put down before. Uh, a colleague, a companion or neighbor is one thing. A beloved is something else, something else. Loving generates commitment. It's a difference between an egg and bacon at breakfast. The hen is involved, the pig is committed. So when you love somebody, you like the pig, you're committed, not just involved in somebody else's life. So if you take bacon and egg for breakfast, meditate on that egg and, egg and bacon. Love is like sunshine striking stained glass. In the dark, the glass is black, lit up, its colours come alive, a glow. The sun reveals its message, the reason it is there. Love does that. Okay, the story I like. Taking a tour around the grounds of his friend's stately home, we're talking August of 1928, an Indian prince sees his host's teenage children playing tennis. I couldn't get even my servants to do that in that heat, comments the prince. The sweat exertions make no sense until the motivation, the love of the game, is clear. Love nature, care for its ecology, and you will exert yourself willingly and gladly. Your loves reveal the content of your heart. To love is no thing, it's a relationship. Traditionally, the word love has been seen to stand for seven ways of relating. There is agape, the unconditional, enduring love of God, Storge, a love of parents for children, often described as the most natural of loves. Philia, love without romantic attraction between friends, including family. It occurs when both people share the same values and respect each other. It's commonly referred as brotherly love. Colleagues can become allies in life if they share their values, interests and objectives. Some end up as authentic friends, alter egos. Then there's philautia, self-love. Though often sneered at at, as egocentric, it's vital if we are to love our neighbour as ourselves. And if I don't love myself, no wonder I treat my friends badly. So you've got to love yourself and you can love your neighbours. And I can love myself because I know God loves me with all my weaknesses. Treat others as you would like them to treat you. Then there's ludus, game or school in Latin, a light-hearted, flirtous love. Then there's eros, erotic sexual, or mania, obsessive love. The movie Fatal Attraction focuses on this type. For me, 
when I read 1 John 4, 8, I read that God is love, I sense the first four of these loves can be identified in God. Agape, storge, philia, and philautia. I'm both God's lover and beloved. Lover because beloved. Therefore, a light in my right brain, I move into action through the left. I know I'm here to help God heal the world. So when people say, why are we here? What's the point of life? Answer, you're here to help God. Now get on with it. A heart is rest restless until it rests in you. The most compelling evidence for the reality of God is this simple quote by St. Augustine. A heart is restless until it rests in you. God is love as a transitive verb. In the Old Original Testament, God is referred as Father 11 times. In the New Testament, it's 170 times. That's what Jesus Christ focused on, that God it loves us as a parent loves a child. Jesus is son, and we are his brothers and sisters. Thus, we all have the same parent. On our pilgrimage through space-time to eternity, God comes to us in our friends, which include our family, our neighbours, parish community, liturgy, our work, and our sports colleague. Thanks, God. And if you can realise that, that God comes to us, you know, I think I mentioned last week or the week before, uh, somebody often telling me, I prayed to God to help me, and my prayers weren't answered. And I said, well, how have you survived? Oh, my friends, my family, my neighbours, my parish. I said, well, how do you think God's coming to you, if not through your family, your friends, your neighbours, and the parish? So God is in the beauty around you, inside people. What you do to the least of mine, you do unto me. What the least of mine do to you, I do unto you. So God is there, if only we could recognise and say thanks. Thank you, God. Next week, I plan to concentrate on faith as believing in honesty, in telling the truth. Thank you, Father Vlad. Um, we actually have a caller, um, but I'm struggling Good. to connect with her. Let me try again. Radio Maria, hello. Oh, hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Who am I speaking to? Uh, Patricia. And um, I'm... Is this a live program with Father yes, Vlad? Yes, you are on air now. Do you have a question for Father Vlad? Yes, um, I want... I, hello, Father Vlad. I just... Um, <laughs> um, I just tuned in a bit to the, to the your talk uh, late, kind of, in, in its running. But um, I'm just wondering... Um, how it's so, I, I, I often think of this, how difficult and much more difficult it is for people who are born perhaps with the genetic makeup that causes them to be um, uh, uh, psychopathic and yeah, yeah, yeah. or other, you know, a narcissistic personality and things like that. And I, one thing I was thinking of, because uh, I've, I've got problems, um, I was thinking that, well, actually, maybe I can turn that to try and understand other people with the same thing. Exactly. Yeah, that's very true. You, yeah. you can understand people that I can't understand because <laughs> I can't get into their skin so easily. And the key thing is, you know, never to judge anybody. We never know what's inside a person. 
yeah. as long as you do your best, if you do your best, and some people got very bad tempers and they struggle not to smash people's faces in, and yeah. God understands, you're good, good, you do your best. Some people yeah. are very intelligent, some people are, you know, schizophrenic. That's All I can say is, if you do your best, you're fulfilling your duty, you're, vo you're fulfilling your vocation. Yes, yes. And, yes. and your weaknesses, as I said, can teach you to understand people in ways that I can't. I can, yeah. you know, you can empathize with people more easily of, of that sort. So don't ever undervalue who you are. You know, God yeah. has enabled you to be the way you are, to, to be able to be a help to yeah. the people that you come across in your life. Yeah. It's so difficult because I, especially, you know, when people are so badly maligned on um, on media. Yeah. Uh, it's just shocking the power that the media has to do that. And social media, absolutely. The key thing is, if you can, is to find similar friends, people you know, like yeah. you that you support each other. Yeah. That's, that's the key thing that we are like, well, Christians in a world of unchristianity. We're like in a boat surrounded by a storm. So if you can link up with people who are like you, and get support from them and give support to them, then yeah. you'll be helping them enormously. Yeah. But thank you, Father. Do you have any? Have you written any books? Yeah. Yes, I have. Uh, uh, what's your could, name? Yeah. I think my email. If you can send me an email, it's Vladimir Felsman. One word. V-L-A-D-I-M-I-R-F-E-L-Z-M-A-N-N at R-C-D-O-W, Roman right. Catholic Diocese of Westminster, dot org, dot UK. Send me an email and I'll make sure I, I, I send you what you need. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for your very helpful talk as well. That's okay. Well, we, I have a podcast, so if you send me an e your email, I'll be able to send you the whole podcast, so you'll be able to listen to the whole talk, because oh, Radio Maria is fantastic in doing that. Yeah. They're technologically okay, very you. advanced, you know. Thank you very, okay. very much, and thank you to the, the other person. I look forward to your email. To. We'll take it right from there. Thank God you. Bless. Wonderful. Thank Great. You. Thank you. God bless. You're welcome. Father Vlad. That just about brings us to the end of our show. There's a song that you requested. I wonder if we might play a little bit of that. It's Immortal, Invisible God, Only Wise. And um, then we can come back and, and uh, end with the prayer if, if yeah, you're sure. happy to stay on. So This is yeah. a, a hymn we all should know. Father Vlad's been speaking to us about the importance of faith in God. Immortal, Invisible God, Only Wise.
So this brings us to the end of our catechesis with Father Vlad. Thank you so much for being on the show, Father Vlad. A pleasure. Would a joy. You, would you end with a prayer for us, please? Yeah, nice. Yes, short prayer, yes. That would be wonderful. I thank you, God, for creating us. May we use the gifts we have been given to help you make the world a better place, especially those people who, being like us, we can understand and help in a way. May we come together in a community of love that enables those in it to flourish and enlightens and encourages those who currently don't accept your reality, but seeing how good and precious life is for those who do accept you, they may rethink and come to you and commit themselves to you and begin to believe in you. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Vlad. We look forward to seeing you next week. Good. God I'm thanks. glad you look forward to it. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha.